Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us talking, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Well, hello again, Simon. And hello, Stuart. Today, we thought we'd have a chat about terms. I guess in our minds, we were thinking it would be good just to lay down a bit of a glossary for the for the stuff we talk about. And I'm sure a lot of people know the terms, but for those that didn't, we thought it'd be good just to get into some of those acronyms that we might just throw out there. And Yeah, indeed. And in a brainstorming for this we've already come up with enough acronyms we think for three or four episodes so uh, <laughs> so this is just going to be a, a starter yeah. starter episode on uh, on the, the glossary terms yeah, yeah. And i think the first one we all talk about because this is the one that we measure a property's feasibility or viability is is yield we talk about growth well yeah lots of people do use that to measure a property's viability but i i'm not so convinced that that they should and, and I think you, you mentioned similar thoughts as well. Well, I just think it's a strange thing to do is to, to base your, you know, interest in a property based on your purchase price and, and rent. That we, we should probably define yield, shouldn't we? Yeah. Well, that's what we said we were going to do. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, it's fine. So yield simply is taking your gross rent, that is the total amount of money that you're going to rent a property for. So if that's £500 a month, your your gross annual rent would be £6,000, divided by your property purchase price. Let's just say for the sake of this conversation of my brain, £100,000. So we divide 6000 by 100000 and times that by 100 to give us a percentage, which I, I hope would be 6%. I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, as we've discussed on previous episodes, my mental arithmetic is not up to anything. <laughs> so, so then, so that's what I do. So when I look at properties, actually, I still do it, but I just, I don't, I don't gauge a property on it. It, it just seems a strange one to me because a purchase price isn't necessarily. I don't, if I'm honest, I don't see how that reflects on property suitability. For me, it's more around actual cash flow. Another mm-hmm. term. Um, but anyway, so we better finish off that explanation. Would you like to do net yield? Why, why, why would we consistently finish anything off? We don't, we don't normally. Um, yes, okay. So uh, so the yield you just described is sometimes described further as gross yield. Um, and yep. there's another term, uh, net yield, which is where rather than taking the, the total rent you receive, you take the total rent you receive, subtract off expenses, and then use that number and divide it by the, the purchase price. Yeah. Um, so so this is getting a little bit more realistic, I think, because you're you're looking at Agreed. expenses. Um, yeah. And expenses typically in property investment are, are quite big. Yeah. Um, but you're still only looking at the purchase price on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose why you do that, because that's... Okay, this, this is me thinking aloud on the podcast, but that's... So if we, we're talking about investment, just underscoring that word. We're talking about investment. So if we've got a, an investment and you've purchased the property for £100,000, now, the second part is obviously you're not investing it. You're, you're not necessarily outlaying £100,000. However, the asset yeah. value, we are saying, is £100,000. It's giving you £6,000. Just going to continue my original example. Yep. And, and let's just say that figure's net based on your guidance you just gave there. Now we're talking about some real terms. We're saying, okay, I've got an asset which is worth £100,000, which is now giving me a 6% annual return. So there, 
as you said, I think it's making a little bit more sense. Yep, it is. I agree. It's, it's getting closer to, to reality, I think. Mm. Um, but as you mentioned, most of the time, property investors don't put £100,000 of cash into buying a £100,000 property. Nope. Um, not least because when you buy a property, there are other expenses like stamp duty and legal fees and whatever whatever else. Um, but also, there's normally some kind of borrowing involved um, against that, that asset. Um, so we can introduce another term, a mortgage. Um, so this is just a, a loan secured against a, a property. Um, but it's not always um, a mortgage. Sometimes if you're looking at other uh, sort of purchase and refurb processes and things, um, there, there might be bridging loans. Um, and sometimes there's also a, a mix of money coming in. So uh, there might be multiple investors involved putting money into a, a property as well. Um, but anyway, so take a step back again. So we've got a £100,000 asset. Um, we This is where I'm going to make up complicated numbers and you're going to hopefully do all the maths for me. But anyway, so, so we, might, <laughs> we might have a, uh, a 75% um, loan on that. Yeah. Um, so another term that's um, LTV or loan to value. That 75% of the value of the asset is a loan. So we're only actually putting in £25,000 of cash, plus the stamp duty, plus expenses. Um, and I think it makes, well, for me, I think it makes a lot of sense, or the most sense, when looking at returns in property, to look at that total amount of money that you put into a property um, against the net rent that you get back from it, or the net income. Mm. So, so this is... Um, uh, often summarized as a term called ROI or return on investment. So investment is the cash you're putting into the purchase and return is the profit you get back each year at the end of that. Um, so if we put in 25,000, let's not worry about stamp duty for the time being, make that a bit easier. So we put in 25,000 and we've got our 6,000 pounds of net rent. Um, we would then do 6,000 divided by 25,000 um, to give us our return on investment. Now, Stuart, can you do that mental arithmetic? <laughs> I can't. Oh, a calculator comes out. That's the way to do it. <laughs> well, well my, my head's saying uh, 40%. So if you're saying six out of 25,000, it's 24%. So that, that investment looks looks pretty good now. <laughs> um, yeah. Previously, you were looking at a 6% return um, based on, on net yield. Um, but now when we're looking at ROI, um, we're looking at, what did you say, 20, 24%? Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty damn good yeah because if you think about it six thousand is a quarter of 25 so i'm not going to follow the maths don't 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 try and explain it (laughs) i'm enjoying this i I like seeing you squirm a little bit in your chair i'm I'm great with a calculator or a spreadsheet mental arithmetic i'm just not there i'm afraid (laughs) so i I think the the valuable point here is is for me is is you measure things how you want to measure and what's great about property and i guess why we're interested in property is because so for me, your return on investment is very similar to my re- return on capital employed. So ROCE, return on capital employed, is how much money am I putting in and I'm going to get back. The difference for me is return on capital employed is just that initial outlay because you could argue then that you know you're not, you're, your ongoing interest is not 20, 24%. That's just year one. Yeah. This is where it gets quite complicated. Mm. 
It is. Yeah. Um, so uh, let, let's take the, the scenario. Uh, you've, you've bought your property. You've got your initial outlay. Um, as you say, that's, that's your year one return. Um, when you go into year two, do you, what, what do you count as your, your investment now? Is it still just the money you put into it? Mm. Is it um, the value that is still in that asset? So perhaps you're, you, you might still exclude the mortgage or the borrowing you've got against it. Um, but your, your cash, your deposit that's in that, perhaps that's your, your ongoing investment. Um, and then what happens three years, five years, whatever down the line, when you remortgage that property and you take a bit more um, cash out of it, um, what, what do you then use to as your, your investment amount? Um, it, uh, it, it gets quite complicated. And, and there are lots of different terms around this, um, which I probably can't remember right now, um, to try and cover, cover these different scenarios. But mm. I, I don't think there's any one right answer, really. Well, I think for me, as we're talking this through, I think that's where their net yield comes to the fore. Because that's our consistent measure, isn't it? Yep, exactly. That That is the one value in yield measurements, mm. is that it's consistent. consistent. And will also track against current market values. Yep, exactly. Yep. Versus, so in my head, and why we all know and love property, is that based on your investment amount of 25000 your rental... You know, should you have been lucky enough to, to purchase and invest for 25000 and have a net rental income of 6000 we know that in four years you are cost neutral. I know that's just a fancy way of saying you've got no money left in the property. All your money's come out. So actually, yep. in real terms, your ROI is infinity because it's now you've got nothing and you've got £6,000 a year. Yeah, exactly. And and there are some property deals, I've, I've never experienced one, but I believe they exist, where you can actually achieve that much earlier, um, where you can buy a property that's um, in, in need of some TLC. Um, that's not a not a property term. <laughs> um, and, um, and then you, you do the refurb, um, add value to it, and perhaps you use bridging finance initially, and then you come off the bridging finance to a, a longer term mortgage. Um, but at that point, you may already have no money or at least a lot less money in terms of cash left in the property. Also um, known as the holy grail of <laughs> property development. And funny enough, I am working on one now which could... I, I've only been working in property three and a bit years. Well, you know, I've been a landlord owner for you know 13 years now, worryingly. But in terms of you know working on some of these models, it's only been a, a handful of years. But my experience is that those things are possible. They're not as easy as some people might might have you believe. But they are possible. But they take like everything else, time and effort. I'm working on one, one right now, actually, which I don't want to be too explicit on the details. But we'll be purchasing a sit purchasing it for about 115. If it goes the way I want it to go, we might spend 40k on it. So, again, it doesn't include stamp duty, and I can't remember the numbers from somewhere here. So, that, but we're looking 155 plus the SDLT stamp duty land tax, as this is a glossary oh, yeah. episode. <laughs> but we should be getting that revalued at 200,000 if that goes well. And that's based on me getting the right tenant type in there and creating the right number of rooms. The reason I'm highlighting this is because. 
what you said is, is, is absolutely true, that you could do this on your way into the purchase. However, we are then would come back, unless you've got the, we've talked about mortgage bridging loans, unless you're investing with 100% cash, which a lot of us, not everyone, but a lot of us aren't endowed enough to be able to do that. If you can do it with cash, then, then, then great, but then you've still got some sort of cash on the table and you can mortgage out. But when you're getting a mortgage in, I still have to look at the loan to value against that revised value. I hope that makes sense. I'm just trying to clarify that what you're talking about is can be done, but for me, there's always going to be a little bit of money left on the table because I haven't yet reached that point where... Yeah. So, I mean, well, if, if we take that example, you put 155 in um, to, to buying the property and um, refurbing the property. If you then um, mortgage it, um, at seventy five percent loan to value, you're going to be looking at. Well, that would be one fifty on on seventy five percent. I would look at eighty five percent on this because it's a ah, so multi let HMO, and you can get mortgages to go a little so bit higher different. on that. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I was going to say you you just have five grand left in the property, um, plus your stamp duty. But uh, but yeah, if you're going up to eighty five percent, I can't do that in my head anymore. So well, <laughs> my phone tells me it's one hundred seventy thousand. Mm. So then you're close. So you're, yeah. you're, you're, all of your money was 155 plus your legals, couple of grand, SDLT. I can't do that in my head, but there's a big no. calculation that I've got in the spreadsheet. But actually on 115, it's not a huge amount of five. Yeah. So, so there we're up to 162-ish and then miscellaneous. So, yeah, so you're, you're, you're getting, getting close. pretty close to yeah. getting all of the money back out again. Yeah. So you say very close to that holy grail. Yeah, it's very close, but... We've got experience, so we don't have to sit here and say, yeah, you're going to get all your money, and we're not trying to sell the next course to do that. So we can be quite honest about it. And my feeling on this is always that, guess what? Since 2008, since previous crashes, the banks will always limit. So even though they might offer an LTV of 85%, they might look at everything in in its uh, entirety and say, do you know what? We'll, we'll loan you up to 160 <laughs> because they have yeah. grown as the market has. And my personal view, this is my opinion, which people can, can use or not, is that now banks have become attuned to that and they want more, more people, whether you're buying as a limited company or not, but they want more people to have skin in the game. Yeah, completely agree. Because once you've got skin in the game, like if I didn't, if you could just do this 10 a penny, if you could get those 105% mortgages, instant mortgages that used to exist. How much interest am I paying in that property? If all of my money's out and I'm done, actually, I've got, and I've got no skin in the game, what's the likelihood I could just not look at that property anymore, not give it any attention? Because the bank's money yeah. is in that bricks and mortar. So for me, if I think it through, that's just where the common sense lies, isn't it? Their money's in that building. And if you don't give a monkeys about that property and it falls into disrepair... Their, their money is worth less, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. They're, they're the ones who are going to suffer rather than mm. you. So, so hence they want to make sure that, uh, as you say, you've got skin in the game, so you, you suffer with them. Yeah. No, I think no, that's not quite right, is it? <laughs> but, it's, but yeah, it's, in a way it's, it is. You make sure you, neither of you suffer. That's the one. <laughs> that, that's the point. However, but the, but the converse is true. There's mm. that they want to know, but actually, if we, if we go down, you're coming with us. That's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's the negative. But the positive is, yes, we both want it. Because I had this, I actually had this experience on a property that I worked on a couple of years back where it worked out really well. And sorry, I think we've digressed a little bit. <laughs> that's okay, we but, always do. <laughs> and and I, might have, I might have spoken about this previously, but I bought a property and 
I've always caveated this by saying it's the only one this has ever happened on. It hasn't happened before or since, but I bought it for 540. I spent £12,000 on it, and the independent valuation, RICS valuation, RICS, Royal Institute Chartered Surveyors, came in and valued it at 735 within, bought it in November, and it got valued in January. So within three months, they'd upgraded the valuation by approximately 200000 that's good going. Very good going. It's amazing, but I always say to people, yeah, that, that was brilliant, but it, it it's very hard to achieve because, and I'm going to be completely honest, that happened by luck, not judgment. It didn't. It wasn't by anything special I did. Obviously, I planned to get a really good valuation and I put in a high valuation, but it's very rare. However, the point I want to make is that even though the bank previously on the first purchase when we went on a bridge uh, went in at a 75% LTV, the mortgage company was going to give a 75% loan to value. But just to, to highlight the point, they said, actually, we'll only loan up to 70%. Although our product is 75% LTV, mm. we're only going to go at 70% because we don't want to take that risk. Yep. Yeah, great. And, that, and that's why. So there is stoppers. Yeah, I, I think there is a lot more um, uh, individual consideration being given these days to, to mortgage applications. Mm. It's a lot less... Um, sort of automatic rubber stamping of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get get more more complicated situations. Um, and and I think just on our point, so we're talking about yield, ROI, ROCE, cash flow. If you've got more than one property now, so actually we haven't talked very much about cash flow. We should go into that a bit more. Go on, Karen. Well, do you want to talk about cash flow? No, you, you finish your point. You so start, all I was going to say was actually, if you if you own more than one property now, the likelihood is. The bank, whichever bank it is, most banks now are more likely, and, and certainly will if you're now buying a limited company, they will want a business plan. So you need to be clear on all of these things. Yeah, there, there are various cutoff points, I think, aren't there? There's, um, is, it, is it four um, rental properties that they, they start asking for the business plans, I think? It um, sounds, but I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure it varies by lender yeah, as well. It will do. Um, yeah. And then I think there's another cutoff point that tends to be around 10 properties where... Um, well, well, all the interest rates go up for starters. Um, but I think also some lenders at that point add in extra checks and extra due, due diligence on their part. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there are various points where it does get harder. And yeah. certainly for the much larger landlords out there, yeah. um, the, the processes are... Yeah, so that's why these terms are actually important. And for my side, we create a business plan anyway because I share it with investors and... It's very good as soon as the bank says we want a business plan even though you have to fill out their own blooming documentation i usually just send out a little deck as yeah. a pdf so that they now understand that you are a professional business not just a flyby yeah. yeah do you um uh, have you had much feedback on that or i suspect it just sort of disappears into the, into yeah. the black hole of the lender and you never hear another word exactly or no. yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah. It, it's it's never it's it's never hindered and, and all of those mortgages i had i think usually you'd hear back if it wasn't good enough yeah yeah so for right. me no news is good news from a bank perspective yeah good <laughs> um so i thought perhaps we should mention a little bit more about cash flow so this is uh how do you define cash flow how do you want to have a go, Stuart? <laughs> well, for me, cash flow is just what what we work out as what we are receiving at the end of each month or whichever yes. sort of period we're looking at. Yeah, so, I'd agree cash flow for me is, is much more a monthly thing than an annual thing. Yeah. As, yeah. Um, you know, I even though cash flow for my student business is it's tougher because in the student business we take 
uh, revenue at the beginning of term time. So September, January, April, and then I think, yeah, that's about it, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Roughly, times a year. Yeah. Roughly, roughly that. So, yeah, we have three big chunks, but obviously as a business, I've got, you've got costs coming out every month, obviously, without going into it, utilities, the mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. So I then look at the cash flow, and I've actually got a cash flow document where we punch in all the figures, we punch in the rentals of each room, and we're looking at the ongoing cash flow. In fact, it's it's one of these things where people say to you, cash is king, your business will live or die by cash flow, and they're just words until you experience the challenge of running a property business that isn't generating enough cash to support. Then you realise just how true all of those words are. Or even if it is generating enough cash to support it, but just not at the right times. Um, so as you say, if you've got lumpy income, mm. it's sort of three times a year or whatever, but you've got regular expenses, you've got to make sure that you keep enough of that income on hand or available to, to cover all those those following months. Yeah. And, and quite often we get unexpected expenses, um, sort of a, a leaky roof or a boiler gone bang or, mm. or whatever. So there can be be some unexpected and, and lumpy expenses as well, which, uh, which can often be difficult. And what you've just articulated there is my business, and that's it's really challenging because to smooth out that uh, revenue is really really hard. And unfortunately, every month, you know, we get we have had the roofs. I've got two roofs on different properties that they're going, and you know, for my properties that are you know, three four stories, when you talk about scaffolding and stuff, you know, you're talking about couple of grand we're not talking insignificant amount mm-hmm. washing dryers 308 pounds you know that's come through yesterday so all of that has a difference and personally i have investors to pay back so it all comes out of the cash flow so yep. when people say cash flow is the lifeblood of your business it's the lifeblood of your business <laughs> because if, if there's zero income how do you pay the mortgage how do you pay the utilities on that month well unless you've got external resource that's not going to happen yeah, right. And uh, it's it's surprisingly easy for, for things to come crashing down quite quickly if uh, if you can't keep that cash flow flowing. It's uh, I think it's why it's always good to have a, a little buffer in reserve for, for things like the, the unexpected boiler repair or what have you. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I've heard different figures on this recently, but some, some people um, uh, think they, they should keep 10% of annual um, revenue. Sort of on hand at all times to, mm. to give a bit of a buffer. I think that's probably quite a quite a good idea if you can if you can afford to do it. I think ten percent is good. It's like everything else. I fiddle with it just to make my numbers work. But in reality, ten <laughs> percent probably wouldn't cover mine. But I know from an accountancy perspective, we always looked at five percent mm. because that five percent was wear and tear. Yeah. Back when you know we were doing that, but if I looked at it now, you know, as a, as an overall percentage of revenue. It's yeah, it's probably going to be somewhere between five and ten percent actually, and you know, it's a good thing to project out. And I'll say to anyone, you know, if, if I were starting again now, I would definitely sit down and do my twelve-month forecast. And you know, for me, I just just got excited about building a property portfolio and just went off with it. But well, was, it is an exciting proposition. It is, and uh, and actually, a lot, lot of the day-to-day stuff is quite exciting too. Mm. I, I still love going around and looking at, at new properties. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which I have to do today, actually. Ah, cool. Um, so perhaps we should should bring this to an end then before uh, before we make you late for your uh, property viewing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Stuart, why don't you tell us where the show notes are? Show notes will be on the businessofproperty.com. 
we'll put a glossary of the terms that we've used and any other what we consider useful information for you on the show notes page. It, they'll be very short. 